gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And this week we have Christina Fox with us. She is officially our most frequent guest. I spent, I think this is maybe your fifth time, Christina, something like that. And um, we're having her on because uh, at least according to Amazon, her new book will be coming out March 2nd, 2022. And I definitely recommend pre-ordering it. There's advantages to pre-order. You'll, you'll be the first to get it. And the book is called Like Our Father, How God Parents Us and Why That Matters for Our Parenting. And it's excellent. It's a different perspective, but I think a necessary one and very helpful for parents of all ages. So whether you have young kids or older kids, this is going to be a great book. So Christina, we're glad that you joined us again. And just for starters, um, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with you, but share a little bit about yourself and then also why you wrote this book. I'm first, I'm excited to hear that I still uh, hold the title. Um, but it may be that I've been on seven times because this is my seventh book. So, oh, that um, might, that might be, I'm gonna have to go count afterwards and see. <laughs> Um, well, let's see. I grew up in Maryland. I um, went to college. I went to Covenant College on Lookout Mountain in Georgia, where I met my husband. We have, as of December, been married 25 years. Uh, we have two sons, one of whom we are about to launch off to Covenant College this fall. Uh, my training, my master's is in counseling. Um, and I just really love to help women see how the gospel intersects with their daily life. Uh, I serve in women's ministry nationally and locally. Um, I love speaking at women's retreats. Um, 
and I'm a writer and an author of, as I just said, this is my seventh book. And so this latest one is a parenting book. Um, and um, it's really born out of my own parenting. Um, you know, all those times that I <laughs> struggled maybe with like impatience with my children or, you know, I think to myself, how many times do I have to teach you <laughs> the same lesson? Or, you know, I might be frustrated with some behavioral thing and, and, and the spirit would just kind of gently remind me of my own sin and my own um, childishness and, and just my own life and how he's had to teach me the same lessons over and over. And, and he's been patient with me when I've forgotten um, the truth about who he is and what he's done and all those things um, were just really just reminders to me of how the father has parented me in my life. Um, and that just kind of made me think about, well, maybe I should do the same with, with my children. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really thankful that Moody gave me the opportunity to dig into this topic and just really think through all the ways God has parented me and, and what that looks like to image him to my children and, and my own parenting. I think it's a really important topic, um, especially, you know, for good or for ill, as as parents, uh, our children are going to associate aspects of parenting with their relationship with God. And that that's just, I mean, we all have that in us about things with our parents, good things and things that were difficult. And we tend to read that into our relationship with God. And so I, I think that's a great starting point uh, for a book to consider our parenting uh, and considering God, who is our father. Uh, so that said, what does knowing who God is and who we are as image bearers have to do with raising our children? Well, you know, the Bible teaches us in Genesis one, that God created us to be image bearers of him in this world to uh, reflect who he is and what he does. You know, when we do what, what he does, we point to him, um, and we glorify him. And as we do so, we live out our purpose in this world. Um, you know, we, we image him in many ways. You know, I think about our creativity or um, just the jobs that we do um, when we make decisions and um, in all kinds of ways. But in particular for this book, I talk about how we image him um, as, as we parent because you know, he is our father. And, you know, par as parents, we're often the first people to introduce our children to their father in heaven. And so when we do what he does in how he parents us, we're really showing our children who the father is. Yeah, we've had um, a, another author on the show a couple times before Rachel came on that's written a book about, about fatherhood. Um, Scott Keith, and he's a Lutheran, but a lot of great stuff in the book, Being Dad, Father is a Picture of God's Grace. So he talks about some of what you talk about um, in a little bit different way. Uh, but what does it mean that God is our father? Well, it's not just a name that we give him. Um, it's not even just a metaphor that we use so we can understand, you know, what he does. He isn't like a father, um, 
God is our father. It's who he is to us. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that before time began, God chose us to be his own through Christ. He adopted us as his children. We belong to him. We are his heirs. And, you know, that means that we have all the rights and privileges that come with being um, his children. You know, if you think about what that means, that that we can cry out to him and he hears us. He meets our needs. He watches over us. He protects us from evil. He He teaches us and trains us and disciples us, disciplines us. Um, and so in all these ways, he's, he's our father. You talk about um, in your book um, in various ways about how God and his um, attributes and ways that we can be like him. And one thing that you talked about was consistency. So why is consistency important in understanding who God is and how we can apply that to parenting? God is consistent. Um, you know, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, so it's not that just that he values consistency. It's, it's part of who he is and his character. He's unchanging. So the same God who, you know, uh, helped, uh, you know, brought Moses to deliver Israel from slavery is the same God that, you know, told Mary that she would, she would bear a son, you know. He's the same God who's with us today. So he, he's unchanging. Um, he doesn't make a promise to us and then fail to keep it. Uh, he's not uh, fickle in his love toward us. He doesn't change the rules on us. He, you know, whatever he says is true is always going to be true. And so this means we know what to expect from him. Um, we see this consistency in, in lots of ways. We see it in the way he established, um, you know, order in the created world, the way, you know, seasons come and go uh, in, in repeated pattern. Um, we know, you know, it's why we know that when things go up, they're going to come back down and, and why we know that the sun is going to shine tomorrow. Um, we also see uh this consistency just in the way that he established rhythms and routines for his people, you know, in, in the feasts and celebrations and in the Sabbath rest, we see it in the rules that he set. Um, he, so in all these things, he shows us that, that he's unchanging, that he values consistency and order, um, and that we know what to expect from him. And we know that he's always going to relate to us in keeping with his character and his word. Um, we know that when we need something, he will provide it. We know when we need wisdom, he's, he's going to um, give it to us. Um, and so when I think about this uh, attribute of God and, and his um, consistency, you know, I think that there are many ways that we can image that to our children. Um, certainly, we are not unchanging. <laughs> in ourselves, but um, we can image uh, just in establishing uh, rhythms and routines in our in our children's lives, whether it's a you know a consistent bedtime or um, having just the daily rhythm of you know what you do each morning when you get up and get ready for the day or you know that story time that you might have before bed. Um, we can certainly image him in, in our consistent responses to our children, 
where they know what to expect when they come to us. Um, just as we know that when we cry out to God, he's going to hear us, you know, how, what do our children know to expect from us when they, when they come and, and talk to us? Um, you know, when, when our children know what is expected of them, um, because we've established these, you know, consistent patterns in their life, um, you know, so in all those ways, I would say are some practical ways that we can image God to our children. You know, all of us are old enough to have seen a lot of um, parenting books come and go in the the Christian sphere of things. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's been several books since I first had my my first child in 1996, where everyone was talking about this book or that book, and I I do think that some of the parenting books out there tend to uh, or some of the methods maybe tend to be kind of reactionary to something else and maybe overcorrect in some ways. And I know a lot of people are trying to navigate that right now because of the way that they grew up maybe. Uh, But one of the things I'd like you to talk about is why we need boundaries and rules. Because I think that there's a balanced way we can uh, approach this here. And then also what those things teach us about God and parenting. Yeah. I mean, that's another um, characteristic uh, of God and his fatherhood that I point out in the book is that he, he sets rules and boundaries for us. Um, You know, we, we are sinful people. um, And so we need uh, kind of those guardrails to keep us on the narrow path. Um, you know, to show us, you know, what is right and what is not. Um, And we see that, you know, in the Bible, God established rules for his peoples, you know, so they would know who he is, you know, what he values, um, and also what is good for them, um, what he established, you know, his, um, his rules were good for them, for their life, for, um, for living for him in this world. Um, but those rules also showed them that they were incapable of keeping those rules, um, as we all know, and that they needed someone who would keep those rules for them. They needed a savior. And I think in, in all those ways, when we set boundaries and rules for our children, we do so because it's for their good. You know, when I told my little ones, you know, don't touch the, the stove because it, the top of it might be hot. Well, that was for their good. So they would not burn their hand. Um, and then we also uh, set rules for our children so that we teach them who God is. We're, we're telling them um, these are the things that God values. This is, you know, what he wants for you. Um, and so therefore they're good. Um, and then ultimately you know, when we set rules for our kids, it really, it does the same thing in showing them that they need a savior because just like us, you know, our kids can't keep all the rules. Um, and so, um, so we, you know, we image the father to our children when we set limits for them. Um, and one thing I do point out in the book is that it's important that we kind of help our children know what rules are God's rules and what rules are rules that our family rules that might be different and that, you know, God's rules are 
you know, perfect rules and, and ours are just, you know, set because, you know, it just kind of makes things run better in our house. Um, and so um, ultimately, you know, the rules and limits that we set for our children point them to their savior. Um, and so, you know, we're going to also be teaching our children, you know, what God um, instructs of them in the Bible um, what it looks like to glorify God in their lives. And then we, we teach them the gospel and what, you know, what they do when they sin and that they, uh, they turn, uh, to the cross and repentance and, and ask for forgiveness. And, and, you know, we also model that ourselves in, in, when we, when we sin in front of them, we can share, you know, look, mom is sin too. And, and I need the gospel and I need to, um, cry out to God in prayer and I need to um, confess my sin and, and then he forgives me. And so um, I think that that's the important aspect of, of roles and boundaries in our parenting. Um, I was going to add on to, to follow on with what you'd said about, um, you know, in, in, in teaching our kids forgiveness and, and modeling it to them and, and asking them for forgiveness when, when we've done something, when we've sinned against them. And, um, I remember in college, our canvas minister had little ones and my, I had a good relationship with my parents and, and a good parenting relationship as they were good models for us. But watching him talk about or watching him with his kids and then also hearing him talk about the, his need to go to his son and say, you know, when I yelled today, it was wrong and please forgive me. And, you know, his son's like, well, daddy, it's OK. He's like, no, you know, it's not OK to, to sin, but you can forgive me. And, you know, and but that modeling and maybe really think about it when I had my own children about how important it is for them to see me say, you know, that was wrong and I'm sorry, please forgive me. So I appreciate that you are pointing that out in this book. Um, so one of the other things you mentioned in the book is that our training serves to point our children to God. Can you expand on that? What are some ways that we can do that as parents? Yeah, so another um, aspect to the fatherhood of God that I point out in the book is that God trains us, you know, from the moment that, you know, we are saved until eternity, until we are glorified. Um, God is teaching us and preparing us for eternity with him. Um, you know, he, he teaches us what it looks like to be part of his family, teaches us the, the ways of his people what is right and good and, you know, with our elder brother, Jesus as, as our model and perfect example, um, our father cautions us against sin and he warns us of the consequences of wandering from him. And he, uh, you know, forgives us and, and restores us through the blood of his son. And, and throughout our whole journey of faith, you know, our father is constantly um, teaching us. He's in, involved and engaged in our training. And in a similar way, you know, we are instructing our children. We are teaching them um, who God is and what he's done for them in Christ. We're showing them the way of life or, um, you know, as, as the Proverbs kind of talks about the path of life. Um, and, and as we do so, we're, you know, we're training their heart, not um, just focusing on outward conformity, but really getting into um, to the heart. Um, and I think one of the main ways, certainly, that we do this is is by training them in God's word. 
Um, and there's just, you know, a lot of great practical resources out there in, in teaching our children what, what the Bible says about who God is, um, what our greatest need is, when, what he's, you know, what he did to meet that need in his son and uh, what it looks like to, to glorify him. You know, whether it's doing um, catechism instruction or um, helping them memorize Bible verses, singing uh, God's word with them, um, going through, you know, re just reading the Bible out loud with them. So certainly training them in God's word is one of the most important ways we do that. But I also talk about um, training our children where they are, uh, like in their age and, and development you know, not expecting more of them than they are capable in terms of, of learning and training uh, and knowing that, you know, repetition is important and, and reteaching re things is important um, in training as well. So um, I think that, you know, just as our father is, is training us, he's training us where we are exactly in our faith. Um, and he's, you know, training us a little bit at a time. You know, I always think about how when I first came to faith, he, he didn't like show me all my sins all at once. He kind of gradually revealed them to me over time because that would have been extremely overwhelming. Um, and so he he's kind of paces that out with me. And I, I think that that's helpful to do with our children as well. A couple of parenting books that were popular in our circles. Uh, and I almost felt like they expect, like you were supposed to expect perfection from your children. And anything less than perfection was unacceptable. And um, that always bothered me. And I, I really pondered, what is my goal here? My goal is to point my children to Christ and the gospel. That's my goal there. So I uh, really like what you talk about there. And also, I, I want to say the catechism and, and songs and scripture, so useful. And your kids will remember that forever. Um, I used to put little verses on note cards, like whatever verse, you know, something about loving one another or something, if they were fighting, put it on the fridge and on the bathroom mirror and, and things like that. Um, How but, good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. I have right. to memorize it. More than <laughs> yeah. one time we went over that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. You know how kids go through kind of different phases. So my four boys, you know, there'd be a phase where two of them were just fighting and none of my kids really fought a lot, except for these particular two. They now share an apartment together and are best friends. So it worked out, but <laughs> what can we learn about God's patience and how we can apply that to parenting? I think this is so important. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the characteristics of God that we read over and over about how God is patient with us. Um, he's long suffering. I think that's the King James version uses that word. Um, you know, if you consider his patience toward us before we came to faith in Christ, you think about the lives that we live, you know, um, worshiping false gods, you know, denying the truth. Um, think about, you know, the sins that we had committed and, and how God patiently endured that until the time when he opened our eyes to see our need for a savior. And then he saved us from our sin. He brought us into the family of God and he's continuing to train us in the way of righteousness. And, you know, while we're no longer slaves to sin, we still 
um, have the presence of sin in our lives. And this means that he's still patient with us as we learn and relearn the way of grace and how time and time again, we, we have to go and seek forgiveness through the blood of Christ. And, and so in this way, you know, God suffers long for the sake of love for us. And, um, you know, I think of, I think in the book, I mentioned how he's kind of like a, a, well, the Bible calls him a vine dresser. So he's like a, a gardener in a way in that he, you know, he, he plants the seeds, he waters them, he, he nurtures them, he, he uh, provides all that it needs. And he kind of waits patiently for um, the harvest to come in. And, and I think that's similar in what we do with our children, um, you know, that remembering that our children are in the process and that uh, we can't, it's a process that we can't rush. Um, and so I know I often wanted to rush things when my kids were little and wishing they would just move on to the next <laughs> stage and, and uh, be more, you know, capable to do things. Um, but we, we need to be patient with them where they are in their developmental stage, not expecting more of them that they're capable of. Um, and not expecting them to master a task right away, you know, and sometimes they might be physically capable of things, but while not maybe emotionally capable of it at the time. Um, and so there's just, um, you know, a lot of maturity that has to take place over a, a long stretch of time. And, um, and so I do talk about that a lot in the book about um, being patient with that and um, just remembering all the ways that God is patient with us. I really like this question. I mean, of course, your books are almost always set up uh, with study guide questions. So it's great to go through by yourself or with a friend or as a group. And so, but I really liked one of, this, one of these discussion questions that you asked is how does understanding your sin nature and that of your children impact your expectations of your children? How about your responses to their sins? And so I wanted to put you on the spot a little bit and make you answer one of your own questions. Ah. Um, but <laughs> how would you answer that? Ah. That's funny. Um, I'll let you do that since you've had me on seven times. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, our expectations shape everything. You know, if if we understand that both, you know, we as parents and our children are born with sin natures, then we know what to expect from them and from us. You know, we know to expect that they will sin. Um, and we know to expect that we will likely sin in response to their sin. Um, we know to expect that they may have temptations to, you know, certain sins, uh, maybe stuff that they may struggle with their whole lives. Um, and because we're all sinners, parents and children, that means that we all need the grace of God. And so, you know, my, my response to a child's sin shouldn't be shock or surprise, um, because I know that they are sinners. So I should expect that. Um, and I shouldn't make them feel shame over their sin. Um, instead I should have compassion on them knowing that my heart is just the same, um, that we both need, um, the gospel of grace in our lives. So I guess that's how I'd answer that. Good answer. So, uh, you're right. Uh, in the book, that God's love for us is unconditional, and we image his love when we love our children unconditionally. Why is that so important, and how can we image God's love to our children? Well, um, 
I'm gonna, you know, go out on a limb and say that I think we would all say that we love our children unconditionally. Um, but we might not always show that to our children. Um, there, there might be times when we unknowingly add conditions to our love for them. They may perceive um, and receive our love as conditional. Um, you know, they might think that we love and accept them only when they behave or when they look a certain way or when they perform at a certain level, you know. And, and so they learn this, you know, when we criticize them or point out their flaws. Um, and so they might learn to associate love with behavior when they see us treat them differently or compare them maybe to a sibling who might outperform them in some way. Um, I think that they might also see love as conditional when we emphasize externals and when we observe them um, prioritizing what other people think about us. You know, maybe if we respond in anger because they embarrassed us in some way in front of others. And so these, in all these ways, um, our children can experience our love as conditional while we, you know, even though we might not think that we're doing that. Um, and so I think it's really important as parents that our children know that they are loved no matter what, even when they fail, uh, even when they don't perform as well as another child, even when they misbehave. Um, and so as, as parents, we need to really um, be aware of how we communicate that, um, both in, in our words toward them and in the way that we respond to them that we love them no matter what, um, that our love is not conditioned on, you know, the things they do. And that, and that's, that's really how God loves us. And so when we do that, we're imaging uh, the father to our children. I think that's such an important point because I, I know people, I have friends that always felt like their parents' love for them was conditioned upon their obedience. And so they felt like a failure and, and things like that. And I uh, just think it's a really important point. You know, I, I know that a lot of moms struggle. We were all um, moms of young kids, but it doesn't matter how, how old your kids, it, it's, it can be hard sometimes. And I think even like with social media, it doesn't always help because there's a lot of opinions and, uh, judgment, like, oh, you do that or whatever, you know, you guys know the mommy wars and mommy groups and, and that can feel like a lot of pressure. I think, especially for a new mom, who's trying to figure it out. And so if you see that somebody, um, parents differently disciplines differently, then you question yourself, am I not being the best mom or things like that? Um, but could you, offer some encouragement to moms who are struggling with parenting. Colleen, I can relate to all those things. And even as a, as a mom of teens, I, I could, I still uh, struggle with those things. So I can definitely relate to that. I, I would encourage moms with the truth of who their perfect parent is, because, you know, as much as we try, we are going to make mistakes. Uh, we're, you know, we don't know all things, so there, there are things we're going to miss as, as parents. Uh, we'll certainly say and do things that we might later realize wasn't, you know, wasn't the right thing. Uh, we will likely have regrets at times in our life. 
But we do have a perfect father in heaven who knows all of our weaknesses. He, he knows our frame, as the Bible says. Um, and he's provided a perfect high priest, our, our elder brother, who stands before us, interceding for us, who is everything that we can't be. And so I would say, you know, when you're feeling that, that weakness, that um, those struggles, um, knowing that, you, you know, you just can't be the, the parent that you like long to be. You know, when you don't know how to do something or how to respond to something or when you feel just completely overwhelmed, even at the task of being a parent, you know, to cry out to your father in heaven and come before him in confidence because you are his beloved child. He is patient toward you. He is um, he loves you unconditionally. Um, he is unchanging. He is all those things that, you know, we've talked about and, and more that is in the book. And, and um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really what I, I turn to when I get caught up in all the things I can't do. I remember, you know, who God is and what he can do for me. So one of the struggles I think, Christina, that I had is I really felt somewhere inside of me felt like if I was just the perfect parent, I mean, I I knew that there wasn't such a thing, but it's not like I thought this right out, but the idea was there. If I just did everything right, my kids weren't going to rebel and, um, and they would grow up and be perfect little Christian humans and, and whatnot, but they're, but we do fail. You know, we navigate with wisdom and grace. We do the best we can with prayer with encouragement from other people. Um, But there came a point where I realized I really had to trust the Lord with my children. And that, that was something that really kind of helped me that my goal was to point my children to Christ. And I was going to trust the Lord because I could be the worst parent in the world and the Lord could still save them. (laughs) And not that I, I wanted to do that, but, and I could, do an okay job and they can still rebel. Have you thought about that very much? Just because I I see it like in some of the parenting groups where there's almost an idea like, well, if you do what you're supposed to do, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be saved. I know it's a little turn turn from (laughs) it, but I was just thinking about it with other things you were talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I've definitely seen that and, and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I want to say there was some commentary I had read, maybe it was Calvin, and that it really encouraged me, you know, to remember that um, something that he was saying about, you know, God uses us um, as, as a means to, to work in our children's lives, um, but it's, it's not our work, it's, it's, the spirit's work. And so we, we certainly have responsibility or tasks that God has called us to do. Um, as we see, you know, to, to teach our children what, what the Bible says and things like that. Um, but it's not dependent upon us. Um, and so that's something that I have to always remind myself that, um, you know, he's, he's just using me, um, and, you know, and my imperfect, uh, failings as a parent. Um, so whether I remember to teach them this Bible verse or I don't, or, um, you know, he's still going to do the work that he plans to do in their life. Um, and I guess it's just that I, 
I have the opportunity to be a part of it. Um, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's, that's just what I was, was going to say. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I think of Ephesians two and when it talks about how God takes dead men and makes them alive in Christ. And it just reminds me so much how salvation is the Lord's work. That's to me, such an amazing picture of what God does um, when he brings somebody to himself. So one of the things that I, I try to remind myself of is as much as I love my children, God loves them more than I do. He loves me more than I love my children, but you know what I mean? As if he has that perfect love as a father and remembering that, that I, I can trust him that he will do what's best for my children in their lives. And that's an encouraging place to be when there are struggles. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and he has a perfect story for their lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, at this moment, we don't see, you know, what all that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just have to trust and wait for that, that story to, to come to fruition. Yeah, I often say it's an exercise in learning to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I wanted to say that I do think this would be a great um, book if you have a mom's group. I think it it would you could really have some great discussions uh, about this, and I think it would be really encouraging to have conversations with other moms. Thank you so much, Christine. I'll, I'll remind everybody. I'll put a link to Christina's book that the Amazon link, because you can pre-order it, which I recommend doing because you'll, you'll be the first one to get it in your hands. Yeah, that's, that would be awesome. (laughs) I I just remember one book that I pre-ordered. It was like coming out on some date and it arrived in my mailbox that date. Cause usually you're like, okay, it comes out on March 2nd. So I'll order it on March 2nd. I'll get it the 4th, but I had done the pre-order. It was in my mailbox, the date of release. I thought that was so cool. So, well, thank you so much, Christina. And we'll, we'll link all of your information in the episode notes so people can follow you. And um, it's amazing that this is your seventh book. That's just, that's crazy and so cool. So we appreciate you. We recommend your books all the time. Rachel and I both do. Thank you so, so much. I always uh, love talking to you guys. Yeah, it's all, it's always a lot of fun. So, okay. To our audience, we'll see you in two weeks.